Hello and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a uh, weekly weekly podcast. Uh, asterisks. I think there's there, there may be a break between them uh, with the faff of like moving around. Uh, but uh, this is a weekly podcast where I, Matthew Whitby, uh, sit down with amazing creators uh, of the DMs Guild and just chat about their creative process. Uh, and this week, as all, I'm always honoured, but I feel particularly honoured to be joined by the one and only Phil Kearney. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for having me. No, Good honestly, it's, it's 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 been a pleasure. I think I uh, was it. I was I was looking back and uh, like um of like uh, the library of, of sort of works that you've uh, done, and obviously we both worked on um Chronoma- uh, adventures in Chronomancy. That was killer. And yeah, dude, the the and you did the cover for that as well, didn't as well. Yeah, uh, thrilled. Amazing and stuff. Like that. I think it was such a good. But no, so so you do you're doing well. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, doing really well. Thank you. Uh, the, with the plague destroying the world, um, it's it's a good time to be able to hunker down and be with the people that you care about and prioritize the things that are important to you. So, or, or listen good. to you know above average podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Catch up on your Whidbey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, so just sort of diving straight into it then. Um, for people who may not be um, so aware of your work, what, what are you sort of known for on the DMs Guild? Uh, mostly stock art and, uh, and, and commission work. Uh, but uh, uh, you can look at uh, DTRPG and just type in Phil Kearney and you'll see, uh, I don't know, 30 some odd products, maybe 20 some odd of them is, is artwork that I was commissioned for. And the other 10 of them is, uh, is a slew of silver to electum sales uh, that I did with uh, Inkwell Ideas, uh, basically doing uh, side quests, which were these little one-pagers, uh, one-page adventure nuggets. Basically, it's like, here's the setup. Here's a bullet point list of, of different antagonists. Here's a, different, here's a bullet point list of um, um, challenges that you would face during the, like, the one-shot adventure, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I got like maybe 50-some out of those. And, uh, and then on the DMs Guild itself, I only actually started doing DMs Guild work in uh, at the beginning of 2019. So I just passed my one-year anniversary of being actually active on the DMs Guild. Oh, I, would, I, would, most, I would have got you a cake had I known. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most, of it is, uh, most of it is stock art, but I've just started putting out uh, actual content like, uh, like uh, Adventures of Chronomancy. It was a couple months back where we, coll- where we collaborated on yep. Uh, and then there's uh, universal spell points in high magic, as mm-hmm. well as uh, um, five color mana spell point variant rules for knights and tricksters. Um, Which, a lot of my, f- I believe, it came out just very recently. Yeah, last week. Uh, both of those came out last week. Um, I've been I've been building the uh, uh, the five color mana spell point system for literally over a year, and it's gotten to the point now where I'm starting to actually roll out all the different pieces and the full thing will be hitting in, um, in May before Theros is released, which is perfect. I didn't even know Theros was coming. It's, 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 like, it's just it's amazing. Yeah, no, lucky time. I imagine, like, obviously you have, uh, what was it, um, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. So it's kind, of, it's kind of nice that they're sort of keeping the M- MGT universe going. Yeah, no kidding. It's a growing audience. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of really cool Discord and uh, Reddit communities that are really involved with the MTG conversion into D&D. And they're a pleasure to be around just because their depth of lore. I mean, I'm really mechanics gr- driven mm-hmm. um, and visual, but lore and uh, like character and stuff background, like that's, that's not my strength. So it's really cool to be able to tap into a huge community that just is brimming with creative ideas. So I must admit, so I, I'm, 
I, there's, I, I'm already just hearing you talk. I've got like three different strands that I want to pull on of like conversations. Um, but of, first and foremost, you're actually technically the first artist that we've had on the podcast. Happy to be. So you know, I, so I need to, I need to sort of like um, uh, before I sort of dig into like why um, or like the process of essentially um, redesigning the spellcasting system which is, again, a sort of very mechanical things that I feel like my designer mind can sort of grip onto. Um, I'm curious about when it comes to like your uh, like creative process for art, um, outside, like even, even when it comes to commissions, like when, it, when someone comes to you with a commission, do you prefer them to sort of be very sort of, um, sort of pre pre prescriptive or do you like sort of having that sort of creative freedom to sort of wiggle? Uh, the more freedom they trust me to have, the better the end result is going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, my creative process is very intuition driven in that, uh, and I live stream on Twitch often, Phil Kearney, and you'll see me going through the creative process where I'll take the blank page um, and then whatever ideas or, or information I'm provided either from art direction for the page or about the character or scene from the private commission, um, I'll have that information in my head and then uh, just a, just a preface. I've, I've been literally drawing since four, uh, you know, like little dotted lines of bullets chasing each other all the way up to the point where, um, you know, I, I do cover art for books. So that's been a 40 year evolution. And at when you've invested 15, 20, 30,000 hours into a craft. Um, <laughs> the, the body knows what to do. My job is to get the heck out of the way. So what happens is I'll start with a blank page and like a 300 DPI, I use Photoshop only. So at a 300 DPI, I'll use a three pixel brush uh, as a pen and I will literally just start this. This is what I do. And I don't think at all, but it creates this, this, this cloud of lines mm -hmm. and I can use both the positive, like the actual black line space and the negative white space to like turn off my brain and let my vision fade out so that shapes start to pull out of it. So if I'm thinking I need to do a draw archer, like if I know the end result is draw archer, I will let my brain turn off and create line shapes and movements that I know in the end is going to be an expressive archer but i don't need to know any of the specifics i can trust that my body knows what a pen is supposed to do to produce an archer because god knows how many archers i've drawn over the course of my life so okay so, so is it is, I know. is it very much like um almost like continuous line is it because they they mention it as like mm. it, no, 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 no. It's, it's all i mean it's all super sketchy yeah. like uh like uh it could it could be one swirl for like 40 strokes and then i'll just pick up like and do like a pepper of mm -hmm. hatch marks i don't know why my body will have the impulse to do what it does. It's just that when I just let it do it mm -hmm. in the end, there's like four or five different things that pop out to me. Like you could do this angle, you could do this angle, you could do this angle and they all work with anatomy. It's just, like I have to pick which one feels the most dynamic and pull it out of the page and then focus on that and let the rest of the scratch work recede back and disappear. Does that make sense? No, no, hundred percent. It, it, it's that case of like, uh, just, yeah, to trust. Uh, cause, cause art is such a great, it's, it's a, uh, you, you can't think about it too much. If you get caught yeah. up in the single lines and stuff, like I'm trying to do the perfect curve. Like you're, you, you're kind of missing the sort of bigger picture. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, yeah, uh, micromanaging your your stuff kills kills the energy, and uh, the more organic 
my, my style is very organic. I am not a technical architectural engineering type mind. I'm, I'm a Bob Ross, happy yeah. tree, organic producer. And once I realized that, that, that organic flow can be built into human anatomy and gesturing, then it just, the lid got lifted off. Well, I was going to say, cause it kind of feeds into like, I must say you do, you do, you do have a distinct art style. It's, you know, that, that, that sort of like, um, when uh, looking across all your sort of like uh, packs of characters and other drawings and stuff, it, it does carry across. You can sort of see the sort of just, I, I was about to call it whimsical. I don't know if that's, that's the, the right word, but you know, just sort of like, I've not turned my brain off, but it's, it's, I trust the intuition of, yeah. of, of the art. Yeah. I, I guess, I almost kind of have like a, a follow-on question of that. Is, is there any sort of like, is there any particular difference in when you're writing, uh, sorry, when you're drawing for uh, the drive-through or DMs Guild? Is it literally just the sort of uh, the IP that you have access to, or is it like? Yeah, it's 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 IPs. Well, if it's if it's something like uh, if it's something that has a lot of general appeal, like uh, my li landscape stuff, for instance, if I'm doing uh, forest vignettes or or like uh, coastal vignettes there's so much universal application for that that I may as well just put it on the DT because mm -hmm. I get a, a bigger percentage. Yeah. But so much of my design work right now is focused on MTG IPs that mm -hmm. if I'm going to, if I'm going to be depicting a, um, like a Demir monk he, he, and he's got Demir symbols on him, I, I, ha I can only place I can put that is on the DMs Guild. But I can I can also take all that labeling and all the all the markings and stuff that would identify them as a specific guild, put those in as a separate layer, so that when the piece is done, I can put it out as a Demir art pack on the DMs Guild. But then I can peel off all the labels oh, nice. and then just make it like this is just a, a black clad, badass monk. Yeah. So I can put that as a, a monk art pack on vtrpg and, and be productive there no dude that's 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 smart smart business practice stuff i yeah. get the most out of your thing um, so I, I guess the question is so what um what particularly uh drew you to the uh sort of like the mtg dnd products you, your big big um, uh, magic gathering plan uh i started playing in alpha back in college in early 90s nice. and uh i kept up with it for oh maybe four or five years in which I actively played, but mm -hmm. then, uh, you know, life takes you in other directions and you it can does. only invest in so many hobbies. Yeah. But I always, I always kept my hand on the stick. Uh, what, what got me really compelled by it was that uh, a Ravnica entered the guild. So mm -hmm. it's now content that we can use to create off of. Um, but what really got me on the path was I was developing a, uh, a spell, uh, a spell research uh, supplement that uh, basically is if you're going to spend time researching books to create a new spell, instead of just going with it's going to cost you X it's going to cost you X gold and X amount of time, you can make it active loot. If you're going through a wizard's tower and you're you've gotten access to his library, what information can I actually peel out of it? So I I built a uh, a, a spell code system where each book would contain X amount of code. And when you assemble enough code, you can then spend it on a spell of X level. Oh, nice. and, but, but then the conflict became, well, there's eight schools of magic. That's bulky to have eight different currencies that mm -hmm. you would be trying to accumulate. And I was thinking, boy, it'd be really awesome if I could hedge that down, but what could I possibly do? And then they announced Ravnica is coming to the guild. I'm like, oh crap. 
And then so five is, is a very quantum number mm -hmm. to be able to work with because you, because it's, it's a finite enough time, uh, a finite enough amount of currency that is diversified, but it's not so sprawling that it becomes watered down. It's, it's the really, it's the perfect number for kind of reinventing how do you approach things. And the, the code works with eight schools. If you want to build an illusion spell, you just got to get into an illusion set of stuff. Yeah. Like you can break apart a magic item and you can harvest the energy from that to convert that into code. You can take spell books from illusionists and peel apart their spells and take chunks of code from that. And you can pull that all together. And then now I can do phantasmal killer. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, I guess my next question then. So, so what? So why did? Why? What, what was the inspiration behind trying to like essentially pull apart the spellcasting system or like the way you sort of learn spells? Was it just like a personal frustration or? It's. Uh, I, I think. Uh, I think like um, most people that create on the DMs Guild is that they're active DMs or or if they're like focused on building character stuff, they're they're active players. But I never play. I always DM because um, I hate screwing up people's characters so if you're so if your dm it's like this is your fault man if you get yourself killed that's on you yeah and i hate i've been i've been a player for such a long time since like for 32 years now i've been gaming and i started as a player and it just felt bad when a decision that people trusted me to make got themselves killed and i just that was just too much pressure for me so, so, I so you, you want to be the guy putting the bear traps in the room you just, that's and right. if they step on them, then that's... <laughs> that's right. And if I'm consistent and provide good description about the environment, then they have clues to pick up on. And if they miss it, then, then new character, go for it. Yeah. I don't have to feel bad about that because that wasn't my decision. Um, so having said all that, um, when I'm running a game, people will try to do things. I'm like, it would be really fun if there was a mini game inside of that. Or mm -hmm. what you're trying to do with your character... I think it'd be a really, it'd be really fun if we could build mechanics that allow you to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. So that's where it got started. And so, so as well, so you've also, you've technically got like two streams of the, the sort of the, the revamping spellcasting. Obviously you have the universal spell points and then obviously the shifting it into, um, was it, is it uh, tap, untap, uh, burn, burn five color? Oh yeah, the title is sprawling. Tap on tap, burn five <laughs> color mana spell point variant rules. Core mechanics is yeah. uh, is the book that's coming out in May. It is um, I build I build titles around SEM and SEO optimization. So oh, like, my titles are are search links. Like yeah. if anyone puts in color mana, they find it. If anyone puts in tap mana, they find it. If anyone yeah. puts in Ravnica, they'll find it because it's in the description. But uh, like color spell points, mana spell points, spell point variant rules, these are things that I used to do searches for back in the day when I wanted to explore the idea of Magic the Gathering being in Dungeons and Dragons before it became official. So these are the, these are the things I'd find. I'd find forum listings and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But now as these books are gaining popularity, uh, I'm who you find. No, dude, it, it sounds, it's, honestly, hearing you say it, it's like, oh my God, yeah, you're playing like 4D chess. <laughs> it's like, I, I hadn't really thought about like uh, putting the, the, that much sort of like yeah that much sort of consideration into a title to make sure it's that easy yeah, my, ba my background is in digital optimization and uh, marketing tools so when i think about how am i building things i'm thinking iterations and i'm thinking uh, long tail searches like the more specific you get about the things that i build the more you're going to really want to get into what i build so, so what is it? So, so artist, designer, also sort of marketing. You're like, you, you have many arms, many hats. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I've been, I've been an artist for 40 years, professionally for 20. Um, and then I've been into digital marketing for 10 mm -hmm. and I only started writing three years ago. So like all the things that take you forever to figure out, I started first <laughs> and, and then, I mean like DMing for, for 30 years. So like I've got all this long history of stuff that really set me up to a place where I can, I can now create products that make sense that are mechanically balanced across five different iterations of D and D and, uh, and I can ultimately step back from like, like core mechanics is, is like the last big book. I, the first and last big book I plan on doing it's 76 pages, 26,000 words. And uh, it, it was building the mechanics is what took the longest for it. And then the artwork is taking a lot, but now that all the tools are built, I can strip out pieces of it. Like, uh, like I'm putting together a collaboration team for, uh, for building warlocks off of the 10 guilds. Each guild has its own patron. The guild itself has its own pact because they're guild pacts. Yeah. So you've got 10 warlocks with 10 patrons, 10 packs. And all of that I can, I can pull out of basic core mechanics and then iterate, iterate, iterate. So I can, I can bring in three or four people onto the team. It's like, it was, it let's each take two or three of these things, use the mechanics and then build out guilds so that if you want to be a gruel warlock, this is what that guy's going to do. So does that make sense? I can no, 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 honestly, yeah, it, it, from just the, you sort of like contextualized uh, how, how it all sort of makes sense. And yeah, no, I mean, like I, I hadn't really thought of like what a, being an a, like an Azurius warlock, what would that look like and stuff like that? And it would be something in yeah. the case like you, in your head you'd be like, oh no, they, they just wouldn't exist. But to actually have something saying, oh no, they, they could. This is how they would be. Is absolutely they're bound to law. Their yeah. pact is with law. Their patron is the pact itself, uh, mm -hmm. the guild itself, and uh, and then you just start looking at what are different white and blue effects. What are things that are lawful in alignment? And you just tie all that stuff together with invocations, a unique spell list that you get from one to five, and, uh, and then some unique perks for the packs. Like, uh, like for Gruul, uh, I'm thinking like completely physical, mm -hmm. like kind of like an off hex blade, but it's all, but it's all um, um, actual physical. Like you don't like magic a blade to It's like the pack itself is fueling you for additional damage or like, uh, or like battle master type effects. Yeah. Uh, this is a, just as one of the 10 examples. No, I, 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 I think that's what's nice about the color combinations in, in Ravnica and stuff like that. It, it, it does give you a lot to play with. Yeah. And there's a lot of, lot of cool themes and a lot of cool things. Um, so to sort of bring it back, I guess, to the, your creative process as a whole then. So uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll go through it like almost, almost one by one. Uh, sure. From like an artist, uh, from like an art standpoint, what's your favorite part of the, of the process? Uh, for art? Um... My, my favorite part is when I've got the swirl going okay. and, and, it, and I've, gotten enough, I've gotten enough mash on the page that I can sit back and, and just let it come out. Mm -hmm. Like, the, like that, that first discovery when it's like, oh, I can see, like you'll see it on the stream. It's like, I can see you. <laughs> and then I'll start, I'll start pulling that, that person out of the mess. It's like, I can see who that is inside of that cloud. And it's like, as the details of, the form start to become more apparent. Um, I, I start to build a relationship with who that character is going to be, or what that scene is, or or what this creature is. So it's kind of like you you set yourself up to give yourself eureka, you sort of eureka moments. Yeah, yeah. I, like I literally have no idea what's going to come out of it, <laughs> and it's it's consistently pleasing 
about the results that I can find inside of there. Nice. And then I guess, uh, so the, the counterpoint then, is there any uh, particular like part of like when it comes to sort of commissioning a piece or doing art that you, is, is, is your least favorite part? Oh, absolutely. Together. Yeah. Once, once you have that, once that image snaps into focus and you know what it can be, it's a, it's a fight between detail and time. How much time can I invest to build the best piece available? Yeah. And uh, like if I'm doing, like if I'm doing a, like a $250 commission, I'll put 16 hours into that one character mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to uh, a, a, the book I'm doing has 60 illustrations. I'll give myself like six hours max yeah. for that particular page. So there's, there's a high difference between um, basically the price point is, is the matter. Like if someone's willing to invest that much money for me to make their character badass, that is going to be a badass character. And I'll put the hours in to make sure of it. So, so I, I guess I kind of have a question. So when it comes to like doing art for your own um, products and stuff like that, how, how, do you, how do you decide what needs art? Uh, so uh, I, I, I do the writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, after it goes through an editor to make sure that the, the copy is good and mm-hmm. mechanics are clear, then it gets handed back to me. I do the page layouts. I do this all in Word. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do the page layouts, and then depending on what the text density is on a page determines if I need a piece of spot art, mm-hmm. a half page, a third page, or whatever. It's like the gaps will be there. Okay. And, and then um, you, you just go through that process of just like, okay, well, I know something needs to go here. Let's, let's see what my mind can churn out. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take that. I mean, it's, it's in a Word doc, so I'll export it as a PDF. Uh, I'll oh, so take you actually specific... draw on the page? Yeah, I, exp- I export that page as a PDF, drop it into Photoshop, and then whatever gap is there, that's where I draw the image. So I know how it's filling the space. Yeah, that, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. And I, yeah. so, so I can see why you go through the whole process of making sure it's editing and layout first and then just sort of slot, slot the eye in. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, larger production companies use modular sizing so that they know that they've got um, like X amount of eighth pages, X amount of third pages, X mm-hmm. amount of half pages. And they script out the layouts so that they know where those pieces are going to be able to drop into position. But when you're working more intimately with the project as, as a small publisher, you have massive creative control over it. So I can, when, like if I can build a piece and it runs away from me and it's like, oh, this is going to end up being larger than I expected or it's going to go in a direction that I absolutely won't let go of because I like how it feels, I can then drop it onto the page in Word and then rearrange the text so it flows around the yeah. image. So. Yeah. I know it's it's fascinating. It, it, it's kind of interesting because like um, it's easy to sort of look at the many different like the layout roles, the art roles, the writing roles, the editing roles, as as like I don't know, like like five pillars, like five, not pillars, but like spread apart. Like there's interaction when they hand over the work between, but being being right. like multi talented to sort of blend those roles into, um, it, yeah, I, I imagine it's it's quite quite fulfilling to sort of see it all sort of come together. Yeah, especially when you put it out there and people get it. Yeah, like like the universal spell points and high magic I put out. I've I've only gotten positive feedback from people that are picking it up. It's it's just it's a, it works. It makes sense, and uh, so when I finish that piece, I drop it on uh, you know I drop it out there, and I, I'm satisfied with however it resonates in the community because I have a hundred percent confidence that this is as good as I'm going to get it. 
Nice. So, so as you mentioned it, this is this uh, a mechanical design product. Let's let's go through the same sort of question then. So, when it comes to sort of like trying to uh, create a new uh, mechanical system or pull something apart, what what, what what's your favorite part? Like, where 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 do you start? The answers are the same. Um, really? Yeah, because because you get an idea about it would be it would be cool if we converted like for for uh, five color mana. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be the idea was it would be cool if we could take spell slots per day and convert it into a floating mana pool that was colored of uh, the five different colors and mm -hmm. then align the spells so that if you want to cast a red spell, you have to have red mana to be able to do that. And when you drive through all the mechanics and test it and it works, that is incredibly satisfying. So it's just, yeah, when, when you realize all the math works, all the mechanics work, that it's, that it's balanced to the game system and that it's a perfectly viable alternative to what already exists, mm -hmm. nothing more satisfying. So actually, uh, you, you touched on an interesting point there. So when it comes to uh, testing, what, what sort of testing do you typically do for these sort of systems? There's a, well, there's a lot of different pieces. A, I have a team mm -hmm. uh, that I DM for each week. Nice. And, uh, and they'll, they'll let me do anything I want. <laughs> so, like, uh, like starting next week, what we're going to do is um, I already use a modified initiative system where all y'all just decide what you want to do as a team. I'm going to decide what I do uh, for the for the opponent's side of the scenario, and then let's see how those things interact. So it happens and, in, in, in like almost in unison. Yeah, yeah. It's like and and so the way that it's. Um, the way that we're going to approach it moving forward is um, everyone decides, A, I would ask, when you, make it, when you make a decision about what you're going to do, you're locked in. I mean, this isn't novel. There's been a, there's been a number of YouTubes and stuff about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like it's, it's my idea. Uh, I'm just standing on the, on the shoulders of giants. But what happens is uh, since everyone goes at the same time, whoever had the highest die result of their intended action that round is first to decide what they're going to do next round. Mm -hmm. So if you roll a natural 20 this round with your action, you're going to decide what's going to happen first next time. So you start having a hierarchy there. What I'm going to do from now on is um, we're all going to roll dice as a pool. So if you've got four people on your team, everyone rolls their four-sided die, and then we get to pick as a team who gets which die. Nice. Okay. And so it's, you could decide, well, initiative is going to be important next round. So even though I don't necessarily need a high die roll, I'm going to take it so that I have that hierarchy. Mm -hmm. um, like if you have a fighter that's got four attacks this round, he's going to contribute his one die. And then he's going to have a pocket of three dice that he throws separately for his other attacks. So like a fighter's like, I've got three more attacks. I can afford to take that too. Mm -hmm. So that the, so that the rogue can have an 18 to hit the sneak attack. Yeah. For example. Okay, so it's a, a fascinating system. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, I, and all my players roll everything. I, as a DM, I never touch the dice. No, it's really? I do nothing. All spell casting is a, is an attack roll. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, like, if you roll an eighteen, you're probably going to defeat their spell resistance. Like, they'll auto they'll auto fail their save if you're mm -hmm. rolling really high. And Same and, and so your uh, sort of like uh, spell systems and stuff like that you've sort of like ran, ran it through. I imagine like week by week. With everyone, and yeah. just sort of get that sort well, of feedback. Well, the initial test, uh, on initial testing, like when I get an idea, like with the mana system, the initial idea, uh, what I did was I built uh, a number of third, fourth, fifth, and seventh level characters, and mm -hmm. then took a lot of the content that's out there for solo play, mm -hmm. and then I'll run through the solo thing and see how often I get killed. 
if, if I get killed more often than I survive, then it's balanced. <laughs> if, if I survive on my own um, with, you know, with a choose your own adventure format mm -hmm. and, and I'm always beating the enemies, then chances are what I got is too strong. Once I have, once I have that, that, that solid feeling that I know, this is, I know mechanically this is sound, let's see how it plays with other people, I can start pushing out pieces of it. Like I want to test um, spells per day. Mm -hmm. see how see how well the points are going to weigh out how often people are going to actually go through spells in a game system uh, in, a, in a gaming day so i can i can hand out parcels of code of, of of different spell material and uh and see how the team interacts with it like right now i've got the team uh playing with the team has been playing with the concentration mechanics for the past six months wow. where um there's no duration to spells it's just how long can they get through shit and not yeah. lose their concentration because they're always rolling dice and yeah. every time they're doing stuff they could they could botch and if they're botching that's going to blow your concentration so like, so, that kind of makes sense like i mentioned yeah. like uh, they, they so far it works really well wizards kind of they, they train themselves i mean not notoriously known for stamina but being able to focus on the spell for longer than an hour or yeah. that seems that seems like that would be important yeah, it's uh, and yeah, which which is what helped come with the attrition mechanics, which is well, you've been holding on to that haste spell now for five hours in game, far beyond what its normal duration would allow. What do I need to do to to challenge your dice pool so that you're throwing more mana away per day, so I'm actually burning through your stack, and that that led to attrition, which is um, a a fatigue mechanic that when you're going through an adventuring day. If circumstances arrive, like if you're going through a, um, like if you catch a room on fire and it fills it with smoke, you start to choke. Is that choking enough to knock out your concentration? So then you start building in mechanics for all six stats. So you're just constantly challenging people. So if they're really crappy with intelligence, you can build you, you can build challenges in that are going to challenge people's intelligence. So like if you have a paladin that's that's maintaining shield of faith forever. And uh, and you want to hit him with something, then maybe you'll maybe you'll fatigue his intelligence because um, like they've been searching a room and it's yeah. particularly challenging or they've, they've got they've know. got to split their brain, they've got to do some thinking, which you know that's right. And when, you know, if I read too things. many words in a row, I get sleepy, and then there goes your spells. <laughs> so, yeah, no, as one example. No, it's, no, it's interesting, and I, I, yeah, I think uh, I, that's the common case with so many DMs, uh, at least DM DMs and creators, the fact that they 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 use their players as as guinea pigs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and when you like, have, when you have a great faith and trust you as a DM, they're willing to go along with it. They're like, yeah, sure, let's, let's play this for a while and see how it goes. So, so I, I guess uh, to the, the flip side, then uh, when it comes to like the, the mechanics and systems, is there any particular part that uh, is your least favorite? Um, I would I would say it's the same, which really? is um, having having to grind out all the text, make it all right. Um, Trying to trying to get to a point where I don't have to lean too heavily on an editor. Um, once once you go through a process and you get the language back from a technical editor and a copyright editor, mm -hmm. that's code you can lift and drop. Um, yeah. You can cut and paste it. So like I know this I know this word format is accurate. So mm -hmm. if I can use that and change the descriptors that are inside of it or the nouns inside of it, the code is still valid. But it's, am I building new things that I need to have new editing processing to make sure that what I'm trying to express is proper? And I think that's, I think that's my largest frustration is that I'm not good at that. Yeah. I, am, I am horrible. I'm, I'm great at building ideas. I'm not so good about making them concise on paper. 
and so, I mean, yeah, again, it's it's the, the, the it's almost a slogan of this podcast now that that editors they're, they're worth their weight in gold. Oh my god, yes! All, Please it, support all types, all, all shapes and forms that edit, editors come in. They're they're, they're they're the godsend of the the DMs gold. Because <laughs> you might have a great idea, but if no one understands what you're trying to say, who cares? Yeah. Or or if your idea is bad, an editor is a good technical editor is going to tell you that's a bad idea. You need to do this different. No, like and, the idea and, is know, cool, but the way you're doing it's bad. All, all the editors, lovely people. I, I've, I've, yet, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, uh, I've yet to work with an editor that hasn't been an absolute, uh, absolute delight to work yeah. with. Agreed. So uh, I guess the next question then, so to sort of reflect back on your, your upcoming anniversary of one year, so it is, you've, it's your one year on DM Skill is coming up this April. Uh, it, was, uh, it was actually in January. Oh, uh, fair. It's, uh, so I, got, I got my days wrong. Um, it's all good. So, so, I, so I'm, I'm extra late with the cake is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, very, very late. It would be stale. No needs. Um, so across, across the year, a year and a bit, um, are there any sort of particular lessons that you, you wish you kind of learned earlier? Like across any, anything really? I'm, I'm just... Collaboration is good. Get it. Since, since I can literally wear every hat, staying in a tight focus creates efficiency. Um, if, if like, like if you have a, if you have a passion project that, you know, like this is mine, it has to be mine. It has to be the way that I want it to make sure it's done right. Great. But that's going to take you a lot of time and you have to, and you will be sacrificing that time for your control. Um, if you are, if you will, I, I would say to, to actually answer the question is, uh, I wish I had learned earlier to let go of that control, to, to trust um, the people that I bring in to be able to produce the results that I'm ultimately looking for so that I can collapse timeframes and get more ideas out there. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting because so you, you, the, the message of um, getting involved in collaboration, yours, yours is yours is a little bit different from the standard one. Like typically it's right. It's saying, Oh, I should get involved in more, but yours is much from the mindset of like, as the, I should like start more collaborations. I need to bring people into my projects rather than sort of latch onto others. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can turn out, like a like an eight or ten page piece, like in a couple of weeks. But if I'm going to like if I'm going to do um, a, a warlock book with ten packs for ten patrons for the ten guilds of Ravnica, that's yeah. that's a that's a lot of lifting. Mm -hmm. It'll it would take me five months to produce that by myself. And if I can bring in three or four people for that particular piece, then I could probably knock it out in a month, for example. So and that's just that's just putting more ideas out there for more people to play with, for more people to riff on, which creates more opportunities to bundle good ideas together into packs. And I'm curious. So, so what was the sort of the tipping point that sort of uh, helped you? Sort of, I was actually let go of your babies. Um, I don't know. If that's that's the, the right phrase, but you know, the, the sentiment of uh, I don't need to work on this alone. This is something that I can. Was was there a particular tipping point, or? It, it I think it happened uh, probably three months ago. When, uh, when I started um, actually producing the art that's going into the core mechanics book for Tap on Tap Burn, um, and I had a stack of 60 illustrations mm -hmm. that were going to take uh, probably six hours a piece to do, and, uh, and I'm part-time, so I've got a day job, yeah. and I've got family, and so decisions have to be made. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if I'm going to keep, I mean, it's, if I could, if I could turn out a book all by myself, like every other week, then that's a really good stream. But with current constraints, it's, if I don't collaborate, I don't, I'm not going to be able to produce. So 
Does that, okay. uh, did I no, 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 yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, I mean, like three months ago, but yeah, no, you, you sort of tackled, tackled kind of answered that once you sort of, when you're throwing out like a, uh, a mountain of work, the idea of like, oh, I could probably move some chunks into smaller chunks and get some, get some help with this. Kind of... Yeah, where I wanna, what I want to do is because um, art is the most starved resource on the DMs Guild. Mm -hmm. um, the art that is provided through stock art um, for free by Wizards is heavily churned. Um, so unique new art is, is what ultimately people are demanding. So as a collaborator, what I can do is provide the theme basic rule set mechanics to go with that theme layout and art and then i can have other people actually just do the design and the writing off of what that theme is mm -hmm. and then as they start feeding pieces to me i can i can put it into the book and then that creates my spaces and then i can collaborate with the people on whose page is this yeah. this is matthew's page great matthew what were you thinking about when you did this let's see if i can cloud something on that and then i can create artwork that's that's to flavor with what you thought, which you then would potentially be able to pick up and use in other products. Like if you're really into elves and you're doing some elf stuff, it's like, yeah, I've always wanted to have an elf that can blah. It's like, yeah. well, let's see if I can punch out something that makes sense for this book. That's an elf doing blah that you can pick up and use for yourself later. So I just become um, a resource. That's ultimately where I want to get to. Just be a resource. Since I've got all the skills that you need to be able to build a book, is like, what resources can I be most useful for people to produce what they want? So, so I, I guess I, I, I kind of have like a question stemming from that then is, is when it comes to the being commissioned for art involved in projects, uh, at what stage do you like to be involved in? Because I know some people kind of go through the whole process of writing the whole thing and then they sort of say, now, now can I get some art? Or like, because I imagine it's your own process. You like to have the words go through an editor to be almost like the final form. Like... Yeah. Like if, if, if I were to commission you, hypothetically speaking, when would sure. be the best time to sort of bring you on board? Um, so almost all the other, like all the stuff on DTRPG, um, those were all modular design. We know we need a fourth page, a fourth page here. We need a half page here. We need blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Uh, and then they would have a theme for the page and then they would just give me the gig. It's like, hey, we need, uh, we need a, uh, a spider that hunts people in the winter. Yeah. Like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, here's a half page. You know, it's a spider eating somebody in the winter. So <laughs> here's um, it, most of those projects, it's just plug and play. It's like, here you go. This is, this is what we need you to do there. Um, for DMs guilds, uh, uh, honestly, the, the amount of work that can go into illustrations, it becomes a, a dicey um, return. Mm -hmm. Uh, depending on what your percentage is. Like yes. if, like if I'm making less than 10% on a book that that book needs to have a really high price point to make it worth me investing 20 hours into a cover. Of course, yeah. So, so where, where I would want it, ultimately what I like to do is if I'm, if I'm the PM, then I get my cut as a project manager and then I can justify the artwork because it's my project. If you're working with me, you're going to get good art yeah. period. If that, that on itself is motivating. Um, but uh, if I'm being hired into somebody else's project, I'll want to either do layouts, writing, and art. Like one of like two of those three things. Yeah. Get, so, get, so, get, so, so it's a meaningful enough cut of it that it's like I'm willing to invest my time in this because I know the return is going to be good, especially mm -hmm. if I help make sure it's a good product. No, I think that, that, that makes sense. I, it, yeah, it's it, 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 uh, further evidence of the, uh, your, uh, the, the business mind that you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
All right, well, cool. I, well, I, I guess to sort of like um, you, you uh, m- moving moving the podcast along and stuff like that. Um, sure. You kind of no, no, no. Uh, so, so you, you kind of touched on some of this stuff before. Um, uh, with the sort of like the the many sort of warlocks, and I imagine doing the uh, like uh, every every class for the Ravnica, uh, Ravnica guilds and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe it's, it's worth like considering. It's um, worth considering. Dude, is is there like a singular dream project that you have? Um, so, um, two, two things, uh, two things I definitely want to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of them is realistic, which is a, uh, a groundhog day adventure toolkit, uh, which is the campaign that I'm actively currently running. Uh, their eighth level we've been playing for a year and a half and they've been, they've been reliving the same day, <laughs> literally <laughs> for eight levels over the course of a year and a half in real time of them either dying or waking up and they have to start over again and they are figuring out different ways to explore different spaces to be able to expand and push further off of where they're where they wake up drunk at the uh or hungover at at the pub mm-hmm. and like the day begins and like they know three steps from here that guy's gonna drop a mug we know the mayor's <laughs> gonna be over there and it's like they know this stuff and uh so taking all the things that have happened in that campaign can all be extracted into tools that can be built into your own endless day campaign. And so that is, that is a not too far horizon project that I am going to produce. And um, the other thing that is far more pie in the sky is a, uh, an Eberron space opera campaign conversion kit where mm-hmm. uh, the world of Eberron is as though it was a space opera like, uh, like Battleship Yamato or yeah. Gundam or Robotech. Um, looking at taking airships to the extreme uh, in a sort of spelljammer flavor, where the the different nations uh, on Eberron are their own floating asteroids or or planets, and the the conflicts that you have of being uh, in a space opera of like the 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 world of Karnath engaging Brayland in in spacefaring war or whatever. So. No, I do I, both both of those I like. Both of those ideas sound amazing. I like the the fact that fact that 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 like trying to like systemize like I, my mind is just caught up in the Groundhog Day one, and now it's like race, racing with it. it. It's it's so fun. It's such a cool idea. I like so. I'm curious. Yeah, I. I, so, I there's like there's these there's these kill house. So so one of the mechanics is a kill house, where um they where there's zero mercy. If if they make the wrong mistake, they die and they have to reset and start over. So I will lead them. I will lead them into these dungeons where they know they're going to just get slaughtered repeatedly. So the incentive for them to go through it has to be high. Like I know I'm going. Like for example, the last kill house they went into, um, the 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 prize that they got from it was a ritual that would allow them to set a new anchor point for where they would wake up. Oh, and yeah. uh, they have they have a. Uh, it was so um, it was so perfect. Um, they have a. Um, they let me build their characters. And so when I built their characters initially, we started with a Horizon Walker Ranger and a Dream Druid. So the Dream Druid has the campfire ability where it makes a safe zone. That okay. comes at level six. So at level six, I introduced the ritual that would allow them to actually use that class feature, but I wouldn't give it to them <laughs> until they actually got the book. So now that they have the book, they can spend an hour long performing a ritual and it'll create a new set anchor point. And they can wake up at that point and they can start moving through the world because they're setting the anchor points. But every time they do that, they draw attention to things that are temporally aware. 
So I, so I, 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 I take it your players, they, they, they don't know why they're waking up on the same day yet. They know they're waking up the same day, but yeah. and they, um, the, the scenario started that uh, they found their way into this crazy temple that was in, in the small little town that they were growing up in that no one knew was there. And as soon as they got into it, it was very like El Hazard and that they were waking up technology and it triggered things to happen. And a, a nearby shamanic tribe of orcs just happened to roll up on the place at the same time while they're poking through. It's like, you should not be here. This is not your place. And when they got through the conversation with the orcs, the orcs recruited them to help them. And they didn't know what that meant. It's like, we just, we just know there's things happening here. And there's a huge quest involved with, with freeing uh, possessed people with these, uh, with these, uh, these entities that control their, their body that like they, they're born with these things inside of them and they evolve with them like soul riders. They evolve with them as they grow up. And at some point they start steering control of this person. And the beginning of the campaign is all those souls woke up. And as soon as all those souls woke up, uh, like, like that's, that is what is happening. Souls are taking over the world that are in all these prestigious positions. Like kings have these hidden souls in them that now have a completely agenda and, and they're driving their nation in new directions. And they're all, they're all because of this temple that they found. So these orcs show up and says, we need you to help us resolve all these souls that don't belong here. And so when they agreed to it, they, they tapped them on the head and then they woke up again. Like we're trapped in here, but they, but the orcs never came back. Like, like they, they got through, they got through three days of actual adventure before the orcs showed up and tapped them on the head. And as soon as that happened, the next time they went to sleep, they woke back up, hung over at the bar, and they've never been able to get back to the orcs again because they keep getting trapped up in the days. So they're trying to find a way to either get to the orcs sooner or survive long enough for the orcs to show up. So now that they're eighth level, they can actually ask serious questions because this happened on level one. It's like they were way overpowered. They basically had to go along or they were dead. And that's that's what they believed. So they, they took, they took the agreement and they got pulled into the machine and now they've just been getting chewed on it ever since. And they've been trying to find a way. Why is this happening? We can't get any information. Everyone that is temporally aware hates yeah. us. <laughs> it's a great campaign. No, honestly, this, 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 this sounds like, like one of the coolest campaigns I've ever heard of. It's, it's, it's a really good one. I've ran multiple campaigns from level one to 20 and third and fifth edition. Um, I did Dark Sun past level twenty uh, back when they were thirty level campaigns. Yeah. Um, so I've I've got a a ton of experience running like three point five twenty seventh level Gestalt campaigns in Planescape. So like there's there's no there's no degree of um, of ability a character can have that I can't create challenges for yeah. at this stage. The fifth and fifth edition is so kind compared yeah. to third edition and Pathfinder because of the bounded accuracy, the way that the d twenty mechanics work. I can outclass anybody easily. I, mean, I just, it just has higher armor class than you can hit. It, ha it can deal more damage than you can take. Yeah. Um, and, and then you can just scale it pretty much to any level. So it's, it, then it becomes, I, I'm not afraid of anything that a player can do in the campaign. How can I then build the campaign to torture them most? And this <laughs> has been my best solution so far. No, honestly, that, that's, wow. That's, I, yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I may borrow an idea or two from that. <laughs> so far, it's it's no, honestly, wow, dude, I, that's that's now that's a dream project for me as a, a purchaser. <laughs> so far, to see to see how that turns out. 
it's I, I got to finish all this magic stuff first, and yeah. and so God willing, I'll actually have that on my plate. Uh, it's fine. Assuming assuming I don't get caught in a Groundhog Day, I can be I can be patient enough to wait. <laughs> so, right on. It's it's, just it's, cool. it's really really fun. Nice. Uh, uh, it's just, it's just but the campaign is so built around those characters. You have to extract the lessons that you're learning from them. Like, like it, what happens if you don't have a dream druid? Then you need to make sure that the ritual is in there so that a bard or a wizard or a cleric or anybody that learns about it can use it so that you've got people that can make these set points yeah. so they can, they can push themselves, for example. I mean, it also, like, it also I imagine, yeah, it almost introduces new types of, of magic and spells to sort of, again, to interact with this, this temporal element because there's not, like, I, is, is time stop, is that a divination spell? Uh, it's alteration, I believe. Alteration, fair. Yeah, I, get, I can sort of see that. It's fine. Whatever they, whatever they label they slap on that. I um, call it blue. It's a blue yeah, spell. That, that, that's a, a time, a time, time warp. Time, yeah, that's, that's very blue. Um, yep. Nice. So the next, we keep shifting, shifting our view towards, uh, towards the DMs Guild community as a whole. Um, is, is anyone in the, the DMs Guild community that particularly inspires you? Um... Let's see. Um, R.P. Davis um, yeah. had the, the original Facebook page and then helped build into the Discord. I certainly respect his work. Um, Justice Armin creates cool stuff. Um, Very wholesome. Uh, Very yeah. Ryan Langer um, was, uh, was my first PM on a, on a collaboration project. Mm -hmm. and, yep, same, same, um, I think, yeah, same for me. We're on the same boat on that one. <laughs> Uh, Brian Holmes is just um, very supportive of my work in general, and um, and is a really good touchstone for me to uh, to to head check myself on things occasionally. Um, the 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 more people I run across, the more I learn to respect what they're bringing to the table. Like Core Artificer, he's he's been doing Ravnica stuff since we could start doing Ravnica stuff and his lore is extensive and he's yeah. like he's he's really well grounded into the material i really respect that uh it's it's hard it's uh it's it's hard it's the more names it's like once i recognize a name i, I know why yeah. i recognize them it's like yeah you've got chops yeah no i i i, I, I always like i i like having that question just because obviously it lets people know that obviously this is a community and we're also but i i do always feel a little bit evil asking it because it's immediately putting people on the spot to be like that's we could we could literally have a whole podcast where we just talk about amazing people in in, in the thing uh, yeah that may that may be a christmas episode very very nice. sort of wholesome that would um, be appropriate but yeah, um, but but yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's, I, I think it's it's nice to every so often be like, yeah, no, this is this is a good community. We've got some good eggs in, in here and stuff like that. Um, so I guess as I guess uh, as we are slowly slowly approaching our you know the 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 hour um of our podcast and stuff like that. Um, you you kind of again you you kind of touched on this question before, but like, uh, do you want to get it like in concrete about what sort of projects you're currently working on? Oh, okay. Uh, so let's see. Uh, the the core mechanics book uh, mm -hmm. will be done in May, and all all I'm doing right now is artwork for that. I mean, it's it's done except for the art. Um, in the hopper, there is uh, the five color guide to Ravnica, which uh, peels out 
uh, color mechanics from core and then applies it to the guilds that operate only in two colors. Like, like the core mechanic book, it deals with you're a wizard, you've got a mana pool and you're using all five colors. Mm -hmm. But in Ravnica, each guild is dedicated to only two colors. So how and why would that work? And mm -hmm. the answer is it's, it's actually really simple. It's just, it's got to get built. Yeah. Um, and then there's um, the um, simplified shapeshifting. Okay. Uh, which is something I've been playtesting with my druid for the past year and a half, where instead of going through the monster manual to look for a form that you can use for mechanical advantages, um, there are set statistical advantages that you get at each level. And, uh, and so as you scale up, it's like I could be a bear or I could be a cougar or mm -hmm. I could um, uh, be uh, another, like a, another large size creature or whatever, but large size. Yeah, yeah, large size creature, and then you either have uh, combat, defense, or utility. Mm -hmm. And so when you when you when you wild shape, you choose which one do you want. I want to be a combat form. So you could be a bear, you could be a utility bear, you could be a defensive bear, or you could be a combat bear. Okay. And it, it'll it'll modify what your character can do. So instead of having a book that you're flipping through, what form is going to be best for me overall? Mm -hmm. It's like it doesn't it doesn't matter. You can be you can be a unicorn if you want, but you're a defense unicorn, so that means you're going to get these defensive advantages. Um, so that's that's a book that's in the works. And uh, meow 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 meow. Let's see. Those are those are two. I think those are the two that are next on my plate. Nice. That's an exciting, um, yeah. exciting project. And I, no, I must admit, it's it's kind of fascinating to to to, to hear these these approaches, like two two like again core systems. Like I I I wouldn't have thought of looking at them in this sort of unique way. It's kind of, kind yeah, of... spelt like like uh, shape changing, uh, wild shape, polymorph, and shape change in animal forms mm -hmm. uh, are the are are the are the spells that are the most annoying i think mm -hmm. for dms and players to mitigate because fifth edition i don't know if they were just trying to sell monster manuals or what <laughs> but uh but having to comb through a book to find statistics is like can i can i do that or not it's like uh, with with the uh with the universal wild shaping i haven't gotten a title lockdown yet but yeah. it's you you don't care anymore it's like yeah i'm going to be a flying creature that size small I know I can do this or this. Yeah. So it could be a sparrow, it could be a crow. Who cares? I mean, yeah, most bat. people like when they when they choose animals that they sort of wild shape into. It is very much a, a like it's either one of two things: either it's a flavor choice or it is like a um, sort of purely like mechanical choice. And it right. would be nice to get that sort of beautiful middle. You separate ground. them. Yeah. 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 You separate them, so it doesn't matter. You have whatever flavor you want, and then like you could you could deep dive. Like I can only do this. Yeah. It's like well, then maybe you can use more of those mechanics at the same time because you can only turn into a spider, for example. Well, yeah. if I can only turn into a spider, I can do utility and combat at the same time. Or like Circle of the Moon could do two things instead of just one. Yeah. But then if you specialize Circle of the Moon down to one, you can do all three. It's like I'm just going to hang out as a spider all day, and I'm just going to get bigger and deadlier as I gain levels, which I think is completely appropriate. Yeah. Although I will say, I don't think I actually want to hang out with a druid that spends all their time in giant spider form. That's if, you're the, I, a dark, if you're playing a if you're playing a dark elf campaign, it's no, awesome. it, yeah, it's, it's true. I don't know. I I just feel like you know, it, I would I like to see people's faces instead of just their mandibles. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, okay. That, 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 for me, that's the entry level for conversation. Like, do they have mandibles? <laughs> if yes, I'm I'm all right. I'll, I'll talk to the next person. I'm done with that. <laughs>
um, yeah, well, okay, cool. Uh, no, dude, again, oh, so much, so you've got a lot of exciting stuff coming on. It's, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to it all. Um, the, the guild is a joy. Just, just, I, I, for whatever reason, I never thought about putting any of my ideas down on paper until I just stumbled into it. Yeah. So, do you, do you remember how exactly you stumbled into it or? Huh? Do you remember how you stumbled into the guild? Like, some, was it just like a, Oh, um, it was, um, uh, it was when one of, uh, one of my players said, do you ever write any of this stuff down? And my answer was no. Yeah. <laughs> so like, maybe you should write that stuff down. Cause it's kind of cool. It's like, well, how well written could I actually make it? And then that made me start exploring where I found DMs Guild communities. I'm mm-hmm. like, there's actually some really solid content on the DM because I didn't pay attention to the DMs Guild until maybe three years ago. And yeah. then I was like, I don't know if I got the time for that sort of stuff. And then just something flipped in my head. It's like, no, this is, this is your path. Because the problem was is that I can't get, I can't get paid when I want to get paid yeah. to do the artwork that I can produce. Like I have to, like even, even Paizo super short changes the amount you get. Like if you want to get paid as a fantasy artist, you either have to build your own IP yeah. Or you basically got to get hired by Wizards of the Coast. And although I may eventually officially work for Wizards of the Coast doing art, it'd be a much faster path for me just to produce my own Magic the Gathering flavored books and yeah. then produce Ravnica art on my terms because it's something they let me play with. And then once, once that started opening, I'm like, oh, shoot, man. Like one of my bucket lists was to do Magic art. And I've, I've already achieved that. So yeah. now, it's, now it's just a matter of how, how, how far do I want to go in which direction? And it's amazing. No, no, it's awesome. Um, I get, yeah, so I, I, talk, talking about all these sort of exciting things you have in the, uh, in the, coming down the pipeline, if, if people want to like, hear about them or you know, be able to get them once they're hot off the, hot off the press, where's, where's all the best place to get news about your work? Um, Twitter. Uh, I, uh, Twitter at Phil Kearney, F-I-L-K-E. A R N E Y. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. I post. Uh, I post when I stream because I, I I do most of my production artwork online for people to watch on Twitch. Nice. Um, I uh, I post finished work that I did there, either artwork or books. Uh, I do my promotional stuff on Twitter. So Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. But yeah, nice. I would like to. So uh, the example is your Twitter handle would have been on screen. Um, if people Which are listening in audio form. Uh, there'll be a link somewhere. <laughs> it's uh, at Phil Kearney, F I L K E A R N E Y. Beautiful. There you go. Yeah, I like how you, that, that, uh, almost like a um, almost me- melodic. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's based off the Oscar Mayer theme song. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, has a way. Phil, thank you so much for taking taking the time out of your day um, for yeah. sitting down and have, having this chat. This has been insightful. It's, it's been a blast. I really appreciate no, you. I need to, again, I need to sit down with, 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 with some more artists. This has been, like, I'm, I'm, I'm learning so much. <laughs> there's, there's fantastic artists that are starting to show up on the guild and interacting with the teams. It's really cool. Yes. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's on my to-do list now. So uh, it's, it's locked in. It's happening. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, again, uh, the, the classic, classic way. Um, any, any suggestions on how you end a podcast? The way that I end a stream is I'll be in the middle of painting something. I'll look at it and I'll say, I think that's done. It's time to go. And wow. then I turn off the camera. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's even better. Um, I, I think, I think this podcast is done. It's well and truly done. <laughs> so, so thank you very much for joining. Uh, I've, I've been Matthew Whitby and I've been joined by the, lo- I, I, oh, wait, sorry. I need to remember which side, like, side you are. I've been joined by the lovely Phil Kearney. Um, and yeah, uh, be sure to tune in next week.
and uh, like, favorite, subscribe, all that sort of, you know, influencer Definitely do uh, nonsense. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you guys later. This Cheers. podcast is done.